Dozens of people gathered in Prestonsburg to remember the life of Amber Spradlin. Spradlin died back in June, and her family still has no answers. There are prayers, songs, and spoken word to honor Spradlin in hopes of keeping her name alive. The wheels of justice turn slowly, and it takes time to get through all of the evidence, and they have collected a tremendous amount of evidence. People in Floyd County gathered in Prestonsburg today demanding change after Amber Spradlin was killed in the Martin community last week. Her loved ones say they are patiently waiting for the right person to be held accountable. There's a monster out there, and people who know things about this and they don't want to tell well, they're a monster, too. We're continuing to learn more about a death investigation out of Floyd County. It's been 11 days since Amber Spradlin's body was found in a home in Martin, Kentucky. Now, we don't know what led to her death, but we do know that investigators have told family members that it was a violent scene. As the murder investigation for Floyd County woman Amber Spradlin nears the one-month mark, officials are asking the community for their cooperation. Kentucky State Police released a statement yesterday saying they have received a lot of help and tips from the community regarding the case, but troopers urge those reaching out to be responsible by reporting only factual information. Spradlin's family has asked that the internet sleuthing, theories, and community conspiracies born from the case be put on the back burner they thought they were going to get away get away with this and they're not going to listener discretion is advised what you're about to hear Well, I've rewritten it time and time again, looking for something that would honor her, remember her, and show you how important of a human being she was to so many people. There's no doubt in my mind that you've already heard how violently she died. You've heard that pathetic rumor mill that's only purpose so far has been to delay an investigation whose inevitable conclusion will be the price paid by precious seconds ticking away on the clock that could bring the family peace, or at least some form of it. You've heard the small talk and the whispers. Now, you'll hear from her family. You know how she died, but do you know how she lived? Do you know the people and things that she loved? Her hopes, dreams, her aspirations, all of the things that can make this life magical. The things that make this world worth living in. This world. It's not the same one I grew up in. Well, the planet itself hasn't changed much, but the people that call it home sure as hell have. So many questions about how we got to this point and why, and of course, who. But questions can be a funny thing, I guess. I suppose we all have them, and very few of them are ever answered with the truth. This episode is about those questions. Questions like, who would want to end the life of a bright 38-year-old woman that loved and was 
wait, still is, loved so deeply by almost everyone that knew her. Well, almost. Apparently there was someone out there that didn't. It was a hot, balmy June night in the mountains of a small community in eastern Kentucky. A little place, a dot on the map, it's called Arkansas Creek. An outlying community of the city of Martin, which is close to Prestonsburg. She had made a home nearby, taking care of her grandparents later in life, who had, in her earlier years, taken care of her. You see, she lost both of her own parents at a very early age. Then, some years later, she had to fight with loss once again when her sister had died as the result of a car wreck. Seemed like pain, heartache, and grief were in abundance for her then. But there was also light, love, and hope. Those things came from her family. Oh, she knew that come hell or high water, she had her family. Let me introduce a couple of them to you. Her aunt, Melissa Sammons, who spent years in nursing, Missy would become like a loving and caring mother, like the one she lost when she was only four years old. And then there was her cousin, yes, a cousin, family, Debbie Hall. That was more like her sister and best friend. Debbie's a doctor. Later down that rocky and windy road, there was always plenty to do helping her grandparents that had loved her so much and that she had loved in return trips to the grocery store, doctor's appointments, and, of course, work. Make no mistake about it, she worked hard, and she had a passion for being the smile that welcomed people to the small but popular little restaurant that she was a hostess at. The Brick House in Prestonsburg is well known around these parts for serving up popular menu items and some really cold, delicious drinks, but nothing, nothing, could hit the spot like that smile she gave when you walked through those doors. Oh, that smile. That alone was worth being on the wait list just to get in. After her grandparents passed, there was more of that grief, of course, and she worked through it. It's like Keith Whitley once said, no stranger to the rain, that was her. But she was a fighter, a warrior, that wanted nothing more than to love and to be loved, and the word quit wasn't anywhere in her vocabulary. So, she picked up and set forth on getting a place of her own and beginning her new life. A life with hopes, dreams, and potential that would come to a tragically shocking and violent end on June 18th, 2023. And no one came to help? You heard me right. No one came to help. Why? Like I said, questions. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and this is Episode 76. What We Find. Amber's Story. The Mountain Mystery of Amber Nicole Spradlin. Your name to call I will be
Over 24% of the 1.9 billion square acres in America alone, the mountains that so many people call home, also play host to some of the most staggering mysteries in the world. The missing. And she said, I knew I wasn't there anymore. The murdered. All my emotions just went blank, just like, just blank. And I still live with that today. I think about that so much today as he was in that water. Strange creatures. Whatever it was that was standing up. I'm out here looking through the window now and I don't see anything. I don't want to go outside. I mean, it was a, nope, we need to get out of town. Unexplained lights and sightings. It does not look like an airplane. They come together and then they separate and they just keep doing this all the time. These stories may be strange. They may be sad. They may be odd. But they are mysterious. These are the Mountain Mysteries. And now your host, Chris Sloan. I want you to do me a favor, if you will, and imagine, if you can, living in a place where nothing much really ever happens. Having the kind of small-town feel that out-of-towners are envious of. They wish they had a little more of that. Floyd County, Kentucky is located in the eastern part of the state, and it's known for a lot of things. They've got the Rainbow Bridge that, while now is inoperational, it still stands like a monument to times that have long since passed. Simpler times. Some would say better times. At one time, it was a leave your front door open and screen doors unlocked at night kind of place. The county has never been without its troubles, though. In 1949, a beautiful Prestonsburg High School cheerleader named Muriel Baldridge was found murdered under that rainbow bridge that we just spoke about. Then, in 1956... Floyd County was where the worst school bus disaster in this nation's history occurred, claiming the lives of 26 kids and a bus driver. 27 people died in that accident on school bus number 27. In 2019, a woman named Krista Garrett went missing from a gas station just off of US-23. We've still not found her yet. In June of 2021... Well, that year would see another woman, identified as Candy Green Gonzalez, go missing. Only to have her remains found two years later, in a place that had been previously searched time and again. Both Garrett and Gonzalez had ties to a former Floyd County Sheriff's son. Coincidence? Some think not. People have changed. 
Respect for property and people have been replaced by greed and an attitude of just not giving a damn. It seems as if this county has always had something lurking over it, like a storm cloud about ready to burst. My dad used to say that Eastern Kentucky was 15 years behind the rest of the world, and that it's really not that bad of a proposition when you think about it. Well, I guess not, but this is sad to say. I think we've caught up with the rest of the world. I recently sat down with two of the people that were closest to Amber Nicole Spradlin, and they opened their home to me like I was one of their own. It is a beautiful place, fitting for a beautiful personality like Amber was and, well, like she'll always be. Now, we told you about Melissa Sammons earlier. That's Amber's aunt. More like a mom figure you'll discover soon enough. Debbie Hall? Debbie Hall is a doctor and bears one of the best reputations for patient care that any physician anywhere on this planet could ask for. She and Melissa are both caregivers. So that makes it easy to see what you are about to learn concerning Amber, that she too cared. She cared about people and animals, about everything and everyone. Yet, sometime on June 18th, someone decided to take that away to the tragedy of not only all that knew Amber, but those that could have. It's enough to make anyone who spoke to Melissa and Debbie and learned who Amber Nicole Spradlin is, or was, pissed off beyond words. Now, let's learn who Amber really was and who she will always be. I sat down inside of their beautiful home and across the table from me, here stares two faces, filled with hope, love, but covered with grief. We started with Debbie Hall. I grew up in Global Roberts edition, and Amber's parents uh, grew up there. So I remember whenever her mom first became pregnant and, uh, and and when Amber was born and I would see them, they walked a lot in the bottom with Amber in the stroller and our grandparents lived just down the street. So we were all within walking distance and would just see them all the time. We've always been a real tight family with lots of dinners together and and there was never a holiday that went by that we didn't uh, celebrate. So that's uh, Amber the first time I was still in high school whenever she was born and uh, just memories of her being around our grandparents. She, she was always. Uh, so you knew her from the day she was born yeah, and yeah. she knew you her entire life. Yes. Mm-hmm. How about you, Missy? The same. Um, I mean, I, I didn't live here at the time when Amber was born. I was living in Richmond, but I came home to help my sister for the first week and um, Amber was just so little and tiny uh, I've. Uh, How old would you say she was then, if you were guessing? Newborn. Newborn. So yeah, she was yeah, friend. she was. Yeah, yeah she's just a little tiny thing, and uh, I didn't do anything to help my sister. She did every all, did it all, mm. and uh, now was that one of those things that she wanted to do it all, or was that yes. one of those? Okay, so, yes, so it's like this is my baby. Stay yes. away. Don't yes. touch my baby. That yeah. kind of yeah, yeah. First time mom. 
No. Oh, really? Second child. Oh. Yeah, she had another daughter that was, uh, I think she was 10 years old whenever Amber was was born. Um, but one thing I wanted to say is I've been having to go through all of Amber's personal things, and uh, I came across her birth certificate mm-hmm. the other day, and it just made me think about about that first week when I stayed with them, and and she was just so tiny, such a sweet little baby. Bald. And she would carry that all of her life, wouldn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes those memories that much more valuable than when we hold on. I mean, it's things like that you cannot put a price tag on. No. Tell me about a time when she just made you flat out fall over laughing. <laughs> There was plenty of times. <laughs> In fact, uh, I just occasionally they'll pop into my head. But uh, one time, uh, not too long ago, and uh, you know, like she was thirty-seven years old, I guess. Um, I was over at her house, and uh, we walked out on the back porch. I I lived next door, and I was getting ready to walk home, and uh, and I heard something. Uh, I heard an owl hooting, and. Uh, and Amber turned around and listened, and then she said, Do you hear that coyote? <laughs> I said, That wasn't a coyote. That was an owl. <laughs> and uh, But we got the biggest fun out of that. And, you know, in the interest of professionally, i got to say this, whether it makes this part makes it into the podcast or not. I was trying not to crack up on that one. Uh-huh. But I was like, love her little heart. Uh-huh. How do you just... Not distinguish a coyote. I know from an owl. Yeah, and uh, no, it it was a good joke. Makes it me was. Wish, it makes me wish that she and I had been buddies. Mm-hmm. Been she friends. she was fun. Mm-hmm. She, but the thing about her was that she didn't mean to say these funny things. They just they just happened, <laughs> and uh, those were the best times. Yes, yes. And you're sitting there going, really. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And uh, she always had a uh, just would make us laugh with the dumb things that she would say and everything. And and they were just spontaneous. It wasn't anything that she planned. It just it just would come out of her mouth. And uh, that that was one of them. So she was like this a lot all the time. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and she was her friends too. They've been telling me how funny she was whenever they were together, and things that you know she was a jokester, and uh, and she pulled pranks on them. And I did not know that about her. I don't know if if she uh, why she didn't ever tell me she was a prankster. She was always uh, pretty serious with. Uh, well, not serious, but she was. She never pulled pranks on me that I can remember or anything. But, uh, but yeah. she sure did other people. Yes, yes, she did. Can you think of a time of one that really stands out? I can't think of anything. Oh, I can tell you. A, I'd love to hear a really good one. Yeah. Brandon was always just picking at her and aggravating her. Now, Brandon's your husband, right? Soon to be. Oh, husband. soon to be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. He was always just picking at her and, and aggravating her, and she she loved it. And if he didn't, she was like, well, are you mad at me? Is something wrong? But That's anyway, how she knew things were okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he was always doing that. And uh, one evening, uh, we'd been golfing, and we came home, and we were all going out to eat at Stonecrest, uh, and there had been a state police car in the driveway 
and uh, at Amber's house, and it was a gentleman that she had come by when he got off work to give a price on pressure washing the house. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I don't know if we saw the car there or what, but we knew we knew about that. And Amber, uh, Brandon had been cussing a little bit about uh, an ex-boyfriend of mine and and, mm. and throwing some some mm. threats around and Amber told that that was the police there asking questions about him it made him think that there was a warrant for him I forgot about yeah. that yeah and uh, <laughs> and she she was so great at it she did not crack a smile the whole time it was a Friday Brandon was scared to death he was going to go to jail and be stuck in, in jail all weekend long so <laughs> that one went deeper than I thought I, I thought I knew where it was going <laughs> and when you said that Brandon was about ready to just turn it loose on this fellow <laughs> and she was like well He's here investigating. Uh-huh. I can see me going, huh? What? Really? Are you serious? <laughs> well, we went to dinner, but Brandon was so torn up and sick, he couldn't eat. He actually, he went to the bathroom, he came out, and he said, I had to go throw up. I'm so nervous. And she let this go on for a couple of hours before she ever told him. Okay, okay. I, got, I, I have to ask this. How did she do the reveal? How did she tell him? I don't even remember how she did do it. It was probably just some kind of a nonchalant, hey, by the way, yeah. I think she finally took pity on him because he was so, so torn up. Well, she had a heart of gold, apparently. Yes. So she probably thought, poor guy's not eating. Yeah. I don't want to see him go hungry. I don't want to see him be sick. So I guess I need to tell him that I was just joking. (laughs) So what was Brandon's response to that? He said, I'll kill you. He said, I'm going to get you for this. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So tell me. When she was young, what age did she start school? Roundabout. Uh, well, she started Head Start. You so know, probably when, around six, five. No, like, uh, it's earlier than that because it's before kindergarten, I think, isn't it? Head Start. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, Oh, well. And uh, she uh, got kicked out of Head Start for uh, starting a food riot. And uh, they called my mom, and, and uh, this was uh, – I think, I don't know why they called my mom. I don't know where, Sharon was alive, so her mom was alive. But uh, but anyway, my mom had to go to Head Start and pick her up and uh, because she started a food riot and all the kids had food all over them because they had been throwing food. So and I think they suspended her for a few days. Amber from Head Start. Yeah, from Amber Head Start. Amber instigated this. Yes. Yes, she did. So at the age of four or five, mm-hmm. she was a little troublemaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I guess Sharon wasn't alive then. Yeah, because if she was in Head Start, then, yeah. So my sister wasn't alive then. So. How old was she when she lost her mom? Uh, she was four. And... Um, it was sad, too. Um, and then she lost her sister in a car wreck when she was, oh, gosh, how old was she? Angela was 23. Yeah. So. And uh, so uh, Amber would have been about 13 then, 12 or 13, because I think mm-hmm. Angela was 10 years older mm-hmm. than her. How about her dad? Uh, her di- dad died of a heart condition, and, uh, and he's been dead for about 10 years. Yeah. That had to have been very difficult for her to 
process. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it four years old, but still. Yeah. I mean, you know, how do you wrap your mind around yes. the idea of yeah. they're not coming back? Right. I remember at the funeral home, Tom was standing up at the casket where Sharon was, mm-hmm. and Amber went running up and she grabbed him on his pant leg and she said, Lift me up so I can see my mommy. And she was only four then. Mm-hmm. We talked about school. Take me through like grade school and high school. Well, she had a lot of problems in school. Um, she was very outspoken and loud. Um, teachers sent home a lot of notes and stuff because she did have behavior problems. Um, she, I think most of the kids felt like she was too demanding and so they she didn't have a lot of friends either and people picked on her the kids picked on her um so she went to several different schools safe to say bullied yes yes she was bullied she was how did she handle that um well not real well i guess i mean she well i mean yeah that that that's a that i would say that that's safe to assume but I mean, she never went off and, like, hurt somebody. No, no, no. She, she clammed up. She kept everything inside. Yes. When she was hurt, she kept everything inside. Yes. You would never even know that she was hurt. But, but I'm, I knew she was, but she never showed it. But, yeah, she, she never said a word to, to Margie or Merle, her grandparents, or any of us about any hardships or problems at school that she was having. You know, a lot of people, when they... Uh, when they get into situations like that or when they find themselves, probably a better way to put it, when they find themselves in situations like that, they develop a safe spot. And for some people, that may be something like painting or it may be something like, uh, I don't know, riding bikes or shooting ball or so- something. Mm-hmm. To get their mind occupied off that, did they ever have such a thing? She had a lot of interests. I mean, she loved music. She loved concerts. She went to lots of concerts. Uh, she loved wrestling. And, uh, and it was really strange because she loved wrestling ever since she was just a little kid because her dad watched it. And, uh, and I, I teased her all the time. And I said, Amber, Lord have mercy, why do you watch wrestling? I mean, wrestling? You know, that's fake. And she said, I like it. And, uh, didn't matter if it's fake or not to her, did it? It didn't. It didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. And, uh, but then I saw, I went to wrestling with her and, uh, and I saw what the wrestlers looked like. And they were these, nice well-built men and uh, so yes (laughs) and so then i told her i said i see why and she just she smiled about that um (laughs) but she had a lot of interest she she was a foodie she loved to eat at different restaurants and was very critical too Uh, (laughs) she uh, she loved to cook and uh, was starting to experiment with a lot of different recipes and stuff. She, she loved, was a good cook. She, she was. She yes. learned a lot. Yeah. On Margie taught her a lot, yes. and then she picked a lot up on her own. Yes. Now, who was Margie? Her grandmother. Yeah. Our grandmother. My mm-hmm. mom. Okay, yeah. your mom. Yeah. Now Amber lived with them for a while, didn't she? Yes, all her life from age four to age thirty-seven. So about the time that when her, they both, her mom passed, your your sister passed, her mom had passed, and. 
until her grandfather passed away because her her grandmother passed away in 2019 and uh, and then her grandfather in uh, uh, 2022 and wait was it 22 21 21 that's right and uh, so she had lived with them them her whole life and uh, never had been on her own before so tell me was she excited to get on her own i mean i know that the heartbreak of losing people you love it's mm-hmm. real and we all know that we've mm-hmm. all experienced it it's something that doesn't go away you learn mm-hmm. to adjust eventually and try to move on mm-hmm. She had a lot of things to look forward to in her life. She did, and was uh, she excited about the move? She, I think she was, but she was uh, uh, kind of scared too to be on her own and by herself because she had never lived by herself before, and uh, so that that was kind of scary for her. But I think she kind of a first time nervousness. Kind yes, of thing. yeah, sure. just like any person whenever they first move out of the house and everything. Um, but she seemed to settle in pretty good and and uh, start being you know doing her adult thing and and uh, being grown up, um, planning things for us to do at, yes. at her house. Yes, we had Thanksgiving dinner there last year, and the house that she bought was my mom and dad's house yeah. where I grew up my whole life. So, so she had purchased the house. Yes. She wasn't renting. She had no, bought but, one. Uh-huh. Yes. When she went, she went big. Yes. Yes. Kudos mm-hmm. to her. That mm-hmm. was very respectable. Mm-hmm. That's very admirable. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So what did she think about living on her own and being on her own? Uh I think she enjoyed it a lot, but she really didn't have much time on her own because she had a friend who needed a place to stay. And so as soon as she got moved in there, she let that friend and her friend's children come and stay with her as long as they needed to. And uh, then after they moved out, she had another friend who needed a place to stay. So she let him stay there for a couple of months until he was able to get where he needed to go. And she really had only been by herself, I guess, not very long. Yeah. yeah. So she was busy helping a lot of other she people. She was. Yes. yes. Yeah. And uh, she uh, uh, was always um, a caregiver and uh, to people um, um, and doing things for her friends and, and um Family. Yeah, mm-hmm. and her family. And um, she loved animals. Yes, she did, yeah. Tell me about her animals. Well, let's see. <laughs> Where do I start? Uh, she, <laughs> They had uh, uh, a cat named Daisy whenever, when they first, when her and my parents first moved here to Spurlock. They moved here in 2004. My parents had the, had their house built as their retirement home and uh, as soon after they lived here then or moved here um she wanted a cat so they got daisy and it ended up that she was she loved daisy a whole lot but she uh was jealous of her too because they treated my parents treated the cat like another child and uh, but uh, 
And it was really funny because it was like a competition about who got the most attention, Daisy or Amber. Uh, but after after Daisy passed away, then uh, Amber has another cat. Uh, she got another cat and named her Sadie. And then when Debbie's mom passed away, her mom had um, two cats. And uh, so Amber took one of them, and Debbie took the other one. And uh, so she had she was a, a cat mother, I guess, and she worried about those cats. Um, she would not... Yeah, and she just worried about him because she. So she was the kind of mom that had a like a you know I'm a cat mom and I'm working hard so my cats don't have to. Exactly. Yes, yeah. and I mean she was always complaining about you know those cats won't eat this cat food and so I bought them this other kind and they ate it three days and then they didn't want it. Got and, tired of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, so she did pamper her cats and uh, she uh, made sure that they went to the vet and and had all their shots and if they got sick she took him to the vet um and it was it was just part of uh, part of who she was she took care of him just like she did a person i think when we come back on the mountain mysteries 11 times she was stabbed yes a life cut short far too quickly and the reeling family left behind Support the Mountain Mysteries on Patreon and get early access to all episodes. With three tiers, it's easy to choose what you want. Five and $10 tiers get you early access, plus free gear, behind-the-scenes bonus content, and more. Plus access to interviews that would have wound up on the cutting room floor. Find out links on Facebook.com forward slash The Mountain Mysteries. Support the Mountain Mysteries and stay mysterious. On the next episode of The Mountain Mysteries, she went missing in 2019. And four years later... Not a word. What happened to Krista Nicole Garrett? The very last thing she ever said to me was, I'm going to rehab. I'm going to get my life back. That's on the next episode of The Mountain Mysteries. So we were talking about school days mm-hmm. um, and that she graduated from David. Yes, the David School in 2003. Mm-hmm. And she was very proud, too. Um, I remember going to her graduation. You did, too, didn't you? Not the David School. No, I didn't. No. Okay. Uh-uh. Well, maybe it was just me and Mom uh-huh. and Merle then. And uh, But she was so pleased. And uh, we've got a lot of pictures of that, too. That's one thing Amber... Um, was our family historian and holder of heirlooms. And uh, so we have a ton, or she had a ton of pictures, and uh, which I've been carrying them all over to my house. And I figured later on, uh, when we when we get settled down a little bit, then maybe all the family can get together and we can go through the pictures and and look at them and everything. Uh, Seems to me like she she placed a, a five-star priority on family. Oh, yes. Yes, she... Everything. Family's everything. Yes. yes. 
And uh, I mean, she she loved her family. I mean, she really, really loved her family, and uh, she liked being at family functions. Uh, she had a lot of fun at Debbie's house, <laughs> and uh, she would come over and help Debbie. Like with if we're having a cookout or whatever, she'd come over early. Or if it was a holiday and we were eating, she'd come over early and help Debbie and do all the cooking and stuff. She loved doing all that. Anything that she could do to spend time with family. Yes, yes. What was her favorite holiday? Her birthday. <laughs> it was the week. Good answer. Good it answer. was the week of Amber because mm-hmm. we would start celebrating her birthday. Her birthday is October seventh, and we would start uh, several days before. Uh, well, a week, the week before, uh-huh. and celebrate her birthday every single day until the day of her birthday, and then we would usually have her a, a family dinner party, you know, with all of us, with the cake and whatever kind of meal that she uh, preferred or, you know, whatever, but, uh, but we teased her all the time that it was the week of Amber. Uh, she really, she would have a lot of fun. And she felt special, too, I'm, I'm sure. How did her coworkers look at her? I'm not real sure. Uh, she had only worked at her job for a month. and uh, But she, she told me that everybody was nice to her and uh, that she got along good with everybody except for one person. And uh, But she was so happy to to be out and be meeting people and be seeing people that uh, that she hadn't seen in a while. And uh, and she, she would tell me stories about how she would help this one do something or, you know, that she would stay a little bit later to help somebody do something. And, and she was just real, real thrilled about being there. She was. She was a giver. Yes. Yes, she was. Very much so. That became pretty obvious to me when you was talking about helping her friends with a place to live that needed a place yes. to stay. Yes. That's a big yeah. deal. Yes. Yeah. That's a big deal because not many people do that. Right. Yeah. But here comes Amber. Yeah, sure. Come on over. Mm-hmm. No problem. Gotcha. And then, of course, the animal lover. And then, of course, you know, whatever she could do to help somebody else and make them smile. Yes. She would do that. Yeah. She loved babies, too. So any of her friends, whenever they would have a new baby, she was right there at their house helping them out. Saw a Uh, picture of it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. holding holding the baby so Uh the mom could get to do something. Maybe take a shower, grab a bite to eat, something. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I always have a a baby present in her car for somebody. And I'd say, well, who's that for? And she'd say, oh, my friend so-and-so. She's getting ready to have a baby and... And uh, she loved giving gifts to people. And she actually, when I was at her house the other day, uh, she had a book of like 2,000 or 200,000 names uh, for a baby. And uh, so I think that she had that not because she was planning on having a baby, but because she liked to help her friends with the names. She liked to help them plan. 
Yes. It was probably just as exciting for her as it was for them. Yes, yes. Anything she could do to be a part of something that was helping somebody else. Yeah. Because this girl understood the fact in life that there are things bigger than ourselves. Yeah. She volunteered at my office for, I had forgotten until Missy told me, but it was about three years that Mm -hmm. she volunteered. She showed up every morning at 8 a.m. and was there until 5 p.m., for she didn't make a penny. She was just there because it was giving her something to do. She was learning how to function in a workplace. And uh, do you think that she had an interest in going into the medical field? You're a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She. Uh, yeah. I think so because she she graduated from National College of Business and she had some. I think she didn't she have like some medical, medical terminology. Trim, yeah, maybe that was uh-huh. it. But well, yeah. you know, it really kind of fits when you sit back and think about it uh-huh. because look what she's done to help so many other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, what better field could you possibly get into to help somebody than a field of medicine? Whether mm-hmm. it, whether it's a you know an MD or like an uh, what is it? I'm sorry, internal physician or maybe a psychiatrist, whatever it could be. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of fields of mm-hmm. medicine that she could have went into. Mm-hmm. Something that would have interested her, I'm sure, that she could have saved lives yes mm-hmm. yeah well while she was taking care of her grandfather uh she and i went and got our uh, bls's and uh you know she thought that that would be an important thing that if he had a heart attack or whatever uh, it was important for her to know and uh, she also had um in her purse she had a um uh, one of those covers for the mouth for when you give cpr mm-hmm. and uh so she was ready she was prepared to to help people what's a bls oh i'm sorry basic life support yeah cpr, CPR. yes oh, okay. yeah, yeah cpr i'm sorry no, I cpr yeah well i'm a nurse so i had to get oh, okay. get mine and so we both took the same class together my dear you're talking to a simpleton here okay, That's okay. i'm sorry <laughs> it's i'm sorry okay. it's all right. uh, funny thing though whenever she when amber volunteered at debbie's um office we teased her because uh, she was so excited about the lunches. <laughs> and wait, uh, is the hospital cafeteria or no, that- no. We have we would have catered lunches about oh. every day. The drug reps would bring them in to us. Yes. So oh, heck they, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, and uh, so she'd come home, and she, whenever I talked to her, she'd tell me, "Well, this rep got us food from such and such, or this and that, and I had this and that, and and uh, so it that was the highlight of her so day. So she gave it a thumbs up or a thumbs yes. down. Yes, yeah. Uh, well, she was a foodie. We we knew that. Well, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's great. June. This year. Yes. 18th. Yeah. What are you doing when you get the call? Well, I didn't get a call. But Debbie is the one that called me. Well, what happened there? Well, I that morning, my husband and I got up, and uh, Amber called me every single morning, about 9.30, every single morning. 
and uh, and I would talk to her probably six or seven times a day. She would call me. Clockwork. Uh, yes, yes, and it would be you know it would usually just one little thing she wanted to tell me, and then then that would be it. But uh, that morning at nine thirty, she didn't call, and uh, and I thought, well, she's probably. Uh, getting ready for church she's she's going to church today and uh so i thought or either that or she's sleeping in a little bit because she worked the night before at the brick house and um about twelve thirty or so or 12 o'clock or so i guess i uh, was thinking well she needs to be uh calling me i had tried to call herself and uh leave her a message and she hadn't answered or anything hadn't called me back and uh, she has cameras at her house so I asked my husband if he could get on the cameras because he maintained them for her and uh, and he had access to him to see you know what time she left that morning to go to church or whatever um, and it appeared that she didn't come home the night before and that was not her normal thing that she would do um is that when you first that was when i was really getting worried about her and i had a feeling that morning whenever i woke up and and i hadn't talked to her that that something wasn't right and uh, but i never dreamed it would be anything like this i've I texted a couple of people, a couple of her friends and her aunt, and uh, and also Debbie. Debbie and Brandon were out of town, and I, I texted everybody and said, have you heard from Amber? And uh, Debbie called me and told me that she had been murdered. And that's how I found out. I asked Debbie. How did she know? How was it that she found out? Brandon's brother is a state policeman. And uh, when Missy called and said she couldn't find Amber anywhere, we called him and said, can you can you find out any anything? Because that, that was the farthest thing from my mind. Yeah. And can you find anything out? And he called us back like 10, 15 minutes later, and he, he said... Amber's been murdered. <laughs> and uh, as soon as I heard that, I get, did I call you? Is that, I don't even remember. I don't remember. And, uh, I, and uh, we just, we left and, and made it back here from Huntington in about 45 minutes time or less and uh, came straight to Missy's and we just sat there all day waiting to hear from somebody. Yeah. Can you imagine what that would be like? That wait. Somewhere in your mind, hoping, thinking, praying that this is all just a bad dream or a mistake. It was awful. It was horrible. It's the worst day. <laughs> and then your mind goes to that place. You start remembering the holidays. All of the special times you spent together. All of the time that you did things as a family and those things will never come again. Maybe one of the most cruel parts is the moment you realize it's not a trick. This is real. 
When did you first have contact with the authorities? I spoke that night. It was about 1 a.m. That night I spoke with Detective Wireman. I had called the state police post a couple of times to try to get information, and and uh, and they did tell me that the detective would contact me, but he was on the scene, and uh, so, um, so we just actually we we sat around and and talked and and waited for his call, and it was about one one o'clock in the morning because he had been there all day at the crime scene, and. Uh, and that's, you know, when when I got the information. The look in their eyes broke my heart. They knew. But what they didn't know, and what we're still waiting to find out, is exactly who and why. Why would anyone do this? It was then I had to ask the question. Numb? Void of feeling? Oh, no. Melissa and Debbie are anything but numb. Numb? No, I'm not numb at all. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm lonesome. (laughs) I'm not numb at all. I'm so angry that someone would do this to her I mean they thought they were going to get away get away with this and they're not going to 11 times 11 times she was stabbed yes 11 times yes does that not speak rage to you yes (laughs) rage only comes about if it's personal If somebody knows somebody. You know, the last thing that we're going to do on this episode is speculate. And we're going to to try not to make assumptions. But there are obvious signs out there that say, why or what's going on with this and that. But let's back up a little bit and let's start. Did anybody make a call to 911? There was a call at 5.30 that morning, and there was a call at 10 that morning. The first call at 5.30 uh, was not deemed to be uh, something that required a response. Do you know what the content of that first call was? Yes, I do. Is that something you can share with us? It's an ongoing investigation. Kentucky State Police has not released it. However, details of the phone call have been leaked out from the city to various TikTokers and media. And um, our county judge executive has the 911 call on his personal computer. And we know that the magistrates have heard it. And we went and listened to it also. He allowed us to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think that it was something that deserved a response, at least a welfare check. Uh, there was a, the, the phone call was made by the son, 
and he kept talking about someone that was really effed up. He said that about five or six times, said we can't do anything with him. We can't keep him in the bed. He keeps falling everywhere. He's cut himself. He's bleeding profusely. And the 911 people said, we can't come pick somebody up from your house just because they're drunk and you don't want them there. And Dr. McKinney gets on the phone and says, hey, this is Mike McKinney. Who is this? Well, there's no life-threatening injuries here. I've got it all under control. I'll call you back if I need you. And he got off the phone. And then the next call was at 10 a.m. And it was Dr. McKinney saying, I need some assistance. I have a dead girl on my couch. And he said it looked like someone had come in and stabbed her. So the city police who told me that they weren't responsible to respond to the calls out in the the county when I asked why they didn't respond to the 5.30 a.m. call, all of a sudden at 10 a.m., they respond. Well, that's probably some misinformation that I got, but I thought the Kentucky State Police were the first to respond. No. No. See, again, that's misinformation that I got. Yes. And there's a lot of that going around out there. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Prestonsburg PD were the first to respond. Yes. Even though I was told that they had no responsibility to answer phone calls out in the county, and that's why part of why they didn't go to the 5.30 a.m. call, all of a sudden something changed from 5.30 a.m. till 10 a.m., and there they were on the scene. When did KSP get to the scene? Not, I don't know for sure, but it, okay. wasn't, it wasn't very long after the uh, uh, city police was there. It wasn't very long afterwards. I do know that they had a deputy coroner up there at the time whenever the Kentucky State Police showed up. For information for those of us who are not aware, who is handling the investigation at this point? Who's in charge of it? Uh, the Kentucky State Police and specifically Detective Wireman. You've been in contact with him. Is there a time frame? Or, I mean, has a suspect even been named yet? No. The police told us that it is not their, uh, their process to, to do that because if someone in the community decided that they wanted to seek justice on their own, then that would make them liable. So they said they do not name suspects. They do not name persons of interest. They do not name homes. I was very skeptical about that, so I started going back through press releases from the Kentucky State Police of other crimes and murders and things, and that is true. They don't. They, they, there was nothing that I read that I could find where they had named names. Well, as much as it may suck, it makes sense. Yes. Because the last thing we need is vigilante justice. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Whoever did this needs to stand trial. In front of a judge and 12 jurors. Yes. yes. And they need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and whatever punishment may come, may come. And then after that, it's in God's hands. That's yes. exactly right. And I would not want to be that person looking God in the face trying to explain why I did what I just did. Yes. That's me. Not to mention living the rest of your life with this hanging around your neck. You know, I may be throwing a candle in the dark here or a, a ball in the dark, a long shot, whatever. But you know who you are. And if you're out there right now and you're listening to this, the only hope that I can possibly see is that you come forward and you own it. 
Now, you were man enough to do, or people enough, men, women, whoever, enough to do what you did. Now, be adult enough to take it, and be adult enough to say, I did it. I am sitting across the table right now from two women who are heartbroken and shattered, and there is no going back. They'll never get her back. But maybe, just maybe, you can give them a little sense, a little taste of justice by explaining exactly why it was that you felt the need to take a life. Why it was that you felt the need to do what you did. And I'm not going to repeat it because I see that you're already in tears, Missy. Yeah. I stay in tears. What's the deal with the 911 system? I mean, what has got you? And I, and I ask this with me partially knowing the answer, but I want to hear it from your perspective, Missy, and then Debbie or Debbie and Missy, whoever wants to go first. That's fine. What's the problem with the 911 system here? I think that the change came without enough thought and enough input from other people. When I went to the fiscal court meeting following this murder and I stood up there and I talked about it, Robbie Williams said that they had no one to answer the calls in the county from midnight until 6 a.m., And then Les Stapleton said that they were going to be installing hardware and software to make it uh, better uh, for them to respond. In my opinion, if you're going to take on something like 911, you should have all of that in place before you ever take it on. You don't take on something like that and not be prepared to take care of the people. It's a pretty serious thing. Why is there nobody to respond between the hours of midnight and six? That's a good question. No one has been able to tell us so that. So I asked the stumper, didn't uh-huh. I? Mm-hmm. However, since all this has happened, $250,000 has been appropriated to the sheriff's office so that they can be available during those hours to answer calls. But Judge Williams says this has nothing to do with 911. I don't see how, it, how that is, that it has nothing to do with 911. Okay, so let me rehash what you're saying, okay? Yes. Just so I understand this like I'm three years old. A quarter of a million dollars yes. was appropriated yes. to answer 911 calls. To the sheriff's office. To the sheriff's office. Yes. But it has nothing to do with 911. Correct. But it's to answer 911 calls. Correct. I'm as puzzled as you are. I'm serious, I don't. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to understand what what Judge Williams is saying. I want to understand it, but I'm not I'm not getting it. I believe if they were to say that they did this because the lack of coverage for nine one one, then that would be them admitting that they are at fault in this. Would that make a difference to you if they did? Now, no. In the beginning, yes. How about you, Melissa? I think it would make a big difference. Yeah. I mean, just because somebody else is going to get hurt. That's your big thing, isn't it? Yes. And I'm sure Deb's too. Yeah, but I'm mad about it now. You know, I've I've had enough. The county, to my knowledge, not once made a statement regarding this murder. You know, we're so sorry or we're going to help do this or that. Not once did they make any kind of a statement. Les Stapleton attempted to make uh, a statement on Facebook about condolences to the family. Uh, He had about two lines to say about that, and then he went into, but people are lying on me, and people are uh, bad-mouthing the uh, first responders, and I'm tired of all of this. 
made it, it was, about it him. Was, yes, it was all about him, and it was a, a very poor attempt to give us any type of a condolence. Mm-hmm. One thing I found out in researching about 911 um, is that there is a Kentucky Board of 911 Services. And you think with a name like that, that it actually governs the 911 call centers. Would make sense. But they don't. The only thing that they do is they come in and they make sure that you have, or, you know, where you're proposing for your 911 call center to be, that you have the ability to collect the monies that are needed to run the center. And when I asked, well, who governs the 911 call center, the person told me that it is your local government, your city, and your county. They both work together to govern the 911 call center. So they said city and county both? Yes. So it's a team effort? Yes. With no one overseeing them. Yes. There is no oversight to go in and say, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this right. There's nobody to check behind them to make sure that they've got everything implemented that they need in order to run the uh, call center effectively. So, Debbie, if I'm working for you in your doctor's office and I don't answer to you, then who do I answer to? I mean, who, who's over this? Who's... Right, yeah. I mean, seriously, there has to be a system of checks and balances in place. Exactly. Yes. I have people I answer to. Everybody, I think, has somebody that they answer to. So... It's self-governing is what this is. Self-governing. Yes. They're supposed to come up with the own, their own rules and regulations and policies. Uh, to run the well, center. Well, would that be passed by a board of people, perhaps, the procedures and policies just, in place? Or is it no. just something that we say, hey, Debbie, today the the uniform colors are going to be blue? Or, hey, Melissa, how about this? We're going to wear pink tennis shoes today. It's supposed to be agreed on. Okay. And it's supposed to be documented. Okay. And it's supposed to be filed at the courthouse. You know, and you've not seen any evidence of no, such? No. No. Is this all over the, the, the country like this? Yes. Really? Or at least in our state. I don't oh. know about all of them, but this is how our state runs it. So the Commonwealth of Kentucky runs it this way, but we're not sure about... I'm not sure about say, Florida the other... Right, or exactly. West Virginia or right. Virginia or Tennessee right. or whatever. In, in a governmental organization, there's got to be checks and balances... Right. I mean, granted, yes. there's probably not from the White House down, but there, mm-hmm. there, there needs to be. Mm-hmm. If you go by the Constitution of the United States of America, the president answers to the people. Yes. Senators answer to the people, etc. Police officers have supervisors that they answer to. Right. Kentucky State Troopers have a sergeant. Sergeant right. has a captain. Captain has a lieutenant, lieutenant, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Goes on. And they work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. But. Well, hospitals have joint commission. That yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, they do. There's nursing boards. There's yeah. medical boards. Yeah. There's yeah. dental boards. You, Melissa didn't wake up one morning and say, well, I'm going to be a nurse. And next thing you know, boom. Oh, exactly. here's your paper. Give us 25 right. bucks for the last. Yeah. yeah. 
And you didn't, well, you sure didn't wake up one day <laughs> no. and say, well, I think I'm going to be a doctor today. And boom, you're a doctor. <laughs> and Eight years of school and then another four of medical training and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they may let you have the name of doctor. That's yes. how it works. Yes. And I still, I mean, even though I'm retired from my profession, I still keep my license up by doing a, a continuing education. I'm required awesome. to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's checks and balances for nurses. It's called yeah. being something that you want. Doing something that you love. Yeah. Amber touched everything around her whether she knew it or not. Mm -hmm. And her impact from what I can see has been something that was very, very beautiful. Yes. Very positive, Mm -hmm. very loving, very nurturing, very caring. She was 30, 38. Who are we to say what the next 10 years would have brought 20 years, 30. Right up until the time that she was quote unquote, and I can almost hear her saying this an old bitty. Walking around complaining about something because somebody grilled cheese sandwich was half done or something or who knows. <laughs> but, you know, what would she have accomplished? Because she was just getting started. No. Yes. She took care of her grandparents. Yes. They took care of her. Mm-hmm. Family was everything. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. All of us. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever hesitate to call her if you needed her? No. Never. <laughs> she was there every time I would ask her to do anything. How about you, Missy? Uh, she, well, she was too busy doing things for Debbie. <laughs> Here's what I'm getting, okay? And I could be completely wrong on this, and I reserve mm-hmm. the right to back out and shut mm-hmm. my pie hole. I'm getting you as like a mom figure to her. I think. And you're like a sister figure. Yeah, I think that's probably how yeah. it is. And uh, That's just the feeling I got. Yeah. And because uh, I was always the one, you know, saying, Amber, you can't do that or you need to do this or, you know, make sure you pay that bill on time. And and Debbie was more the, the hey, fun. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's go shopping. Or, let's go to. Let's go uh, to Huntington. Let's yeah. Go to yeah. Let's go to, yeah. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. go to Rocco's, yeah. you know. Oh, Rocco's is great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Debbie was the fun, fun person. And I was more the. Uh, Listen to me. I'm telling you what's good for you, person. What do you hope to get out of this? Missy. I don't... I just... I just want her killers caught. I want them to... pay their dues. Because it doesn't matter. I mean, she's gone. And... And my life's never going to be the same. <laughs> what about you, Debbie? What do you want out of this? We say we want justice, but there is no, there is no justice. No. There is no justice in this. You know, justice is putting them through what she went through. You know, I just wish we had her back. I wish we could just turn, uh, turn, turn it all time. backwards. And, you know, we were just a... a a quiet, small family. We stayed to ourselves. We didn't bother anybody or do anything. You know, it was dinners at, at Amber's or dinners here or dinners at Missy's. We've lost everybody. We lost my dad, my mom, Margie and Merle. You know, and I just thought that we were through with loss for a while. 
And I just never dreamed we'd lose her. No. She was supposed to be the one to to put me in the old folks' home and and inherit all my treasures and and everything. She was the one to you know, to live on past me. And now she's gone and I'm having to go through all her things and it's just it's awful. It's so horrible. I just I, I just don't understand how anybody could do that to her or why. Those are the big questions. Who and why? Exactly. The next thing I'm going to ask you, sweetheart, probably the hardest thing that I'll ask tonight. If she were here right now, (laughs) and you could say anything to her, (laughs) what would it be? That I love her. I think she knew that. She was... I think she did. But if I could say something to her right now, with her being gone and she could hear me, I would want her to know that I'm so sorry that this happened to her and that she didn't deserve it. I'd want her to know how special she is to everybody and all the big changes that she's making and all the people who loved her. She went through a hard childhood and adolescence fitting in and and she had just blossomed and and started her way in the world and I just would want her to know how much everybody loved her. People showing up for marches and people donating to the animal shelter in her honor and people donating to her scholarship fund and and uh, the nice things that everybody's had to say about her. Yeah. And she certainly knew a lot of people. She used to tell me that she knew a lot, and mm-hmm. I didn't believe her <laughs> until now. But she did. She knew a lot of people, and, and she touched a lot of people. You see that ripple effect? Yes, definitely. That's one. Now, who has the right to take that from the rest of the oh. from the rest of the world? This is not counting all the people that she would have met. Maybe at some point one day had children. Yes, husband, boyfriend, whatever. All the people she would have cared about. All the people that would have cared about her. All the people that would have talked to her and said, oh, "I didn't think of it like that." Changes the paradigm. It's called a paradigm shift. It happens. Yes, rare, but it happens. When we're not so self-absorbed in ourselves. Yeah. I've had that happen a time or two. When I'm like, huh. What about that? I got a feeling she was very strong-willed. She was. And she could have brought on those paradigm shifts. Mm -hmm. She could have made people see something in themselves that they didn't see before her. That's true. And somebody took that away. Yeah. You talked about justice, and you're right, Doc. Justice isn't about revenge. It's about balance, but there is no balance for this. The best we can do is hope that whoever it was pays the price, that a judge 
and a jury see fit. And then after that, like I said, they're in the hands of God. Yes. And that is eternal. God can forgive us of any sin, but the first thing we have to do, according to Jesus Christ, is confess it with our mouth. In other words, own it. Admit it. Yes. Are you listening to me? Admit it. That's your only that's your only way out. I already see things changing because of her. Yes. She's here even though she's not here. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts, Missy? Whoever did this was wrong. And they not only took her life, they took our lives and twisted them. And things will never be the same for us. They didn't just kill one person that night. No. 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 Debbie? I can't hardly bear the thoughts of her birthday coming up. And Thanksgiving and Christmas. She was such a big part of all of that. She planned the meals and gave us all our, our duties, what we were supposed to do, and made all the plans for us. And it just won't be the same. And then I think about these people who did this to her. And I hope that they don't get to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas with their family because they don't deserve it. It's kind of hard for me to argue that point. Mm-hmm. Amber was such a kind, good-hearted person. She always tried to do the right things. She was very involved with her church. I know, without a doubt, she is in heaven. I don't have any question about that at all. But I mourn the things that we didn't get to do that we had planned to do. And the time to spend that you didn't get to spend. Yes, and I read a column one time, a Dear Abby column, and it talked about having siblings. And, you know, Amber wasn't my sibling. We were cousins, but she lived two doors down from me for the last almost 20 years. And, and we did a whole lot together. And it talked about, you know, nobody else knows what it's like to grow up in your house except the people there with you. And nobody knows what the holidays were like. And, and, You know, she and I, we talked about my mom and dad and her grandmother and grandfather and people gone on. And so not only did I lose her, but I lost that too. Don't give up on the Thanksgivings and the Christmases this year or next. I just got that feeling she would not want that. No. She'd probably get madder than a wet hen. (laughs) She would. And probably start throwing things. (laughs) And you really don't want to tick her off. I just got that feeling. Margie died on Christmas Eve. And I remember... We were all just kind of hurt, and Amber said, well, we have to eat, and (laughs) she said, and we've got all this food, but I mean, she was right, and we we didn't. You keep going. That's what she would want. Uh You know, at the time I'm recording this, Junior, which is this big, beautiful, fluffy black cat, is allowing me to pet him. As a matter of fact, he's kind of like he's expecting it. I don't know. I pay attention to the little things, the Mm. little signs. And she was an animal lover. Yes. So you see where I'm going with that? Yes. Yes.
Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. How do we pick up the pieces of shattered lives? When we realize, deep within our own hearts, that what once was can never, never be again. I guess that's when our memories become a lot more precious as time marches on at its own pace. You know, after this, I suppose that I would amend my original statement. Maybe questions aren't such a funny thing after all. There's something that's needed. So we can find the answers. And the peace that we so desperately want. That was robbed away from us. With no explanation. 
I'm Chris Sloan for the Mountain Mysteries. Stay mysterious. If you enjoy the Mountain Mysteries, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That helps us so much. You can also help support the Mountain Mysteries by visiting our sponsors, whose links are below, or by donating at Patreon or the PayPal link shown in the notes. Patreon subscribers will receive early commercial-free episodes and more.